I am thrilled to announce that An Actor Despairs is partnering with a wonderful CBD company called Kind Farms. Everyone out there has heard of CBD. I started taking it a few years ago when I first started getting sober and to help with my anxiety. Sadly, as one can do, I was overtraining in the gym and a friend recommended a topical and a tincture to help with the pain. I tried it. It was okay. However, recently, I was introduced to a product that has really changed my life. Not only has it helped me with anxiety, but I am stronger than I have ever been. I'm able to carry out lifts my body used to prevent me from doing. Kind Farm products have single-handedly changed my life athletically and personally. They utilize 100% local licensed farmers, organic cultivation, and CO2 extraction for superior CBD. Kind Farms is turning CBD to a kind alternative to pharmaceuticals. Let's transform tobacco row into hemp row. If you want to get involved, please reach out. Together, we can make a difference. You can use my code RYAN10 for 10% off. You can find them on Instagram at KindFarmsInc, all one word. That's K-I-N-D-P-H-A-R-M-S-I-N-C. And their website is KindFarmsInc.com. Once again, my code for 10% off is RYAN10. And now, let's get started with today's show. Welcome to An Actor Despairs. I'm your host, Ryan Perez. Today on An Actor Despairs, we have actress Faith Allaby from We Are Who We Are on HBO Max. She's an awesome actress, and I really love the show, and I love Luca's work, and I'm so excited to have her. Here it is. Faith Allaby, welcome to An Actor's Ferris. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks, Ryan. How are you? Good. You, I love your outfit. Like I, I feel, <laughs> I feel like a degenerate for what I showed up in. I'm, I, it's it, it's no. a really rainy, cold day here, so you know. It, yeah, it, same here. So is it really? To, yeah, it's cold. Um, yeah, it's pretty. It's quite dark now. Um, so I'm trying to brighten up my life a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, me too. I think I think the whole world is at this moment. But uh, yeah, man, I uh, I loved you, and we are who we are. And you know, I know you're crushing it over there. And I'm I'm so excited to get to talk to you. You know, how how how, how have you been during this COVID time? Has it been tough, or <laughs> are you working? Or? Up and down. I am at the moment um, gagging on COVID tests, which is fun. This is our life now. <laughs> for, for, for a production? Yeah, I can't really reveal much about it. But, um, oh, well, we'll have to yeah, have you back. One of those ones. I'm being one of those annoying people. But um, yeah, it's fun. So yeah, going to um, be doing that. And um, yeah, we've been in a lockdown. We're kind of going back into a lockdown now again for the second wave. Um, wow. But the first lockdown was, yeah, up and down. But yeah. I did a lot. I managed to do quite a lot during it. You I got strike me as someone who's be productive during it. I would, I Really? Yeah, you do. You, you strike <laughs> me as someone who's very put together. I am a, a mess. <laughs> No, I'm a hot mess too, which yeah. is why I'm so surprised that I managed to do things during lockdown. I managed to get a diploma in CBT. Oh my cognitive god! Behavior therapy. At, is that something you were always yeah. interested in? Yeah, I'm really interested in mental health and well-being and how we can apply that to ourselves as performers because it's nuts. Like, yeah, 
the things that we have to do and the high pressure situations that we're in. And mental endurance, you know, it's insane. And with with an athlete, you know, you have sports psychologists and you have all of this research and all of this science backing it and you've got all of this support. Whereas for performers, there's just not really anything like that. And um, it's something that I really discovered, especially during lockdown, you know, what do performers do in between jobs? Yeah. And what do you do when things are quiet and you're not sure? I call it when the carrot's not dangling. Yeah. (laughs) Like like when you don't have an audition coming up or you don't have um, a job that or lines to learn or those times in those moments, how do you take care of yourself and and your well-being? So um, I got really interested in it, especially during lockdown. So I was like, yeah, what do I do now? Um, And then I kind of developed workshops for performers um, to deal with nerves and anxiety and just maintaining your well-being um, as a human. Uh, Yeah. But apart from that, I mean, that was a big thing. But then the rest of the stuff. No, that's a huge thing. I mean, I I might have to call you this week when I break down. (laughs) Yeah, we could do a workshop. Yeah, I'd love that. Yeah. if you don't mind, let, let's start at the beginning of how you got into acting. Talk to me about how this whole journey started for you. Yeah, well, it's an interesting one for me because a lot of people who um, aren't necessarily in our profession, they look to me and go, oh, you're an actor. Wow, that's so brave. What a brave choice. <laughs> for me, it wasn't... Growing up in the UK or did you grew up yeah okay yeah so i i um, grew up in london and then um yeah i went to university in nottingham i studied uh history of art oh so you didn't do theater and then well so this is what i was saying so then um when i was graduating from university uh that was when the first credit um crash happened so nobody was graduating with a job like even if you were studying for accounting like there were just no jobs for anybody yeah so like a lot of people think that it was a brave choice to me to go into a profession where there's like no work but at at this time I was like well if I'm not guaranteed a job in anything I might as well try to pursue something that I'm you know, passionate about, but I hadn't done any acting since like primary school when I think I was whore number two in Les Mis. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, so I was wasn't it... even whore number one, like number two. <laughs> I'm yeah. still trying to be whore number one, but um, <laughs> talk to me, like, was it always in the back of your mind or like? Well, it was always like a kind of secret fantasy of mine. Like wow. I read, like I secretly was like, Oh, imagine if one day I could be an actor. Like yeah. it was like just something private that I really enjoyed doing when I was, um, you know, really young and I felt good at when I was young, but I hadn't really pursued it at all. And so, um, yeah, it came up to graduation and then I did a summer um, theatre course with Talawa, um Theatre Company. It's a black-led theatre company oh, so based great. in London. And they have this wonderful um, summer scheme where it's four weeks and you do it basically four weeks rehearsal like a professional production and you put it on, um, on stage um, at the end of the four weeks. 
and they have this saying, you know, when, when you've done Talawa, it's Talawa for life. So, um, they used to have this thing on, I think it was Fridays where, um, they would, um, buy in loads of, uh, takeaway food. And if you were, I always used to basically make sure that I was in the area. Like yeah. when Fridays. <laughs> And I could go in and I, I, they let me use their computers and print things and whatever. And they were just always so generous That's with so me. Beautiful. And I remember them saying, have you applied? Because I did the youth course because I was like, I have no idea if I'm even any good at acting. Yeah. Any. So I, I did that. And then they said, um, oh, have you applied to drama school? And I was like, no. I was like, I'm not going to drama school. I've <laughs> yeah. heard about them. They knock you down and build you build back you up, up make like, you to break you. Yeah, they're yeah. all like robots. They're all the same. And I, I think I was like twenty one or twenty two, and I was like, I'm too old. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Like I'm too old to do that. Like no way. I'm not going to drama school. They were like, no, we really think you should apply. So they told me which ones to apply to, and and. Uh, these days you have to pay for your auditions for drama schools as well. It's the same so in the like, US as well. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're getting rid of that now, which is really good, but, um, slowly, but yeah, I, so I saved up cash and I, and I could apply for four, I remember. And then, um, I hadn't even heard of the drama schools apart from maybe one of them. Yeah. And I went to each of them and I was just, you know, sniffing out, trying to get gauge, like, how comfortable I felt in each space and the one that I really um felt comfortable in with the auditions um they offered me a scholarship so I ended up Wh going there which one which one was that that was Guildhall um, that's yeah. like one of the greatest schools in the world you say that like <laughs> I went to this college called Harvard Guildhall <laughs> is one of the best in the world that's so amazing yeah, so um, I ended up going there because in my head I thought if I can get into a drama school then maybe I've got enough potential to make a go of this as a career. Yeah. I just still didn't really know what I was doing. Um, and as I say, nobody had jobs. <laughs> so yeah. it was just like, I'll just continue on this Wait, path. Was that a two or three year program? Three years. Three yeah. years. And were your parents so, supportive about this? Um, I didn't really have to answer to them, so I, I, I didn't grow up with my parents. So okay, um, yeah, I was lucky enough to just okay, yeah. Self parenting <laughs> um, goes a long way. I know what it's like. <laughs> That's so yeah. amazing. So w when you got in, did you know yeah. that it was Guildhall, or did you not really figure that no, out? So no, I remember when I auditioned. I remember because everybody else knew everything about the whole world, and I, I, I think I'd maybe been to one play. Like I, I hadn't been in a play before, wow. um, before, uh, and, and even with the summer course, that was just like one or two performances with, yeah. um, Tarawa. So I just didn't, I'm not from that world at all. Yeah. And I remember going to, and that probably helped me because when I was going to the auditions and auditioning, like I wasn't approaching it with this kind of reverence of like, yeah, that other people were. Well, that, so I that, remember that makes it probably so much more relaxing for you. Exactly. You know? Like so, one of the one of the um, tutors, Patsy Rodenberg, is like a huge. Um, she's amazing um, 
voice tutor and she's very well known. She established an, um, the voice department at the National Theatre. She's, I think, an OBE or something like that. Wow. She's huge. Anyway, I remember people being like literally quaking from like their auditions with her and stuff like that. And because I didn't know who she was, yeah, I was just like, ah, whatever. Like, it's just another then, human. Yeah. yeah, and then one of the other auditions, I remember they asked me. They were like, "Oh, um, uh, have you heard of Guildhall before? What What do you know about the school?" And I said, "I don't know anything." And they were like, "Oh, um, what do you think of it so far?" And I was like, "Loads of the students here really hot." Yeah, <laughs> and that was just like that's and and they really liked that I was just myself and yeah. like. I wasn't trying to answer in a way that I felt was that they so were, academic uh, and, and, and cordial. Yeah. yeah you were just being you. So, so that is what yeah. I think. Like, I don't know anything else. Um, so yeah. Uh, so I went there for three years and then I got my agent in my final year. When you did get signed, was there ever a moment of like, do I want to stay in London? Like, did you ever think about coming to the States or? I think that was definitely a thought um, once I started auditioning and working. Um, definitely, because it felt like, okay, I've seen myself reflected in American TV and um, I, in a way that I hadn't really seen stories around black women that felt real to me in, in the UK. There was less of that. Yeah, because... Um, you guys are, I don't say you guys, like, the the British are obsessed with er the aristocracy, whereas America, yeah. we mythologize our working class. You know what I mean? Oh, interesting. Yeah. Like, you know, that's why I think, I don't know if you've seen it, but Peaky Blinders was the first show to kind of really turn the British aristocracy, you know, narrative on its head and make it about a working class family, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think there is a there is a massive preoccupation with period dramas and um, the classical canon yeah. um, in and, and Shakespeare, to be honest, um, in the UK. But um, yeah, I think at, at some points I definitely did think about um, America in terms of just more opportunity. Yeah. So I wasn't thinking immediately I need to go to America. Yeah. Um, because there was lots of stuff that was really exciting here. Like one of the first plays I was in with Danai Gurira wrote um, this play called Eclipsed. And it's uh, all, it's five women, five black women, and it's um, an all female cast. Yeah. That's so, so beautiful. Like, and, it, and, and the entire creative team were women as well. So our director, oh, yeah, all of them were women. So that for me was like one of the first jobs that I did. So for me, like, it was like, great. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Talk to me when you, when you were doing those plays, you know, where were you getting also a lot of like producers and casting people coming to see you and were auditions in, increasing? Yeah. So um, that's the wonderful thing about plays is that just everybody can come in and see you. And um, yeah, so that, that, yeah, I got a lot of work from, a few plays that kind of just blew up a little bit. Um, and, uh, yeah, people remember you from them and, um, a lot of the people. So in the play, for example, Eclipsed, 
that's um, the one that Danai wrote, um, People Have Gone On. So it's a kind of weird, from that play, uh, Letitia Wright was in it, um, Tania Miller. Wow. Uh, so like we've all gone on to do different things. Yeah, it's been so, yeah. And it starts from things like that. That's amazing. And then you started doing, you know, I did, I know you did. Well, I don't know if you guys call it the same thing there, but we call it like co-star guest star credits, you know, like on doing an episode of a oh, TV yeah, show. Yeah. And so did you start doing that as well? You know, cause yeah, I see on your so resume. I, yeah. So I started doing, I was doing theater and then started um, getting like uh, guest roles um, on screen and basically doing a million auditions yeah. and getting really close and not getting them or just failing completely, failing like in inverted commas. Yeah. But um, yeah, doing a million auditions and just learning from them and learning and learning and learning and refining and refining and refining. And then eventually, and it, it got to a point where basically all the casting directors were always asking me in. So it wasn't something that I was doing necessarily. Yeah, no, you were doing great work. it was just like work. a matter of like just refining, refining. And then eventually, um, yeah, after auditioning lots, um, I auditioned for We Are Who We Are. Yeah. And, um, and that was Was, it, was this post Call Me By Your Name? Yeah. It was. So, yeah, so you yeah. know, you knew his work at that point. Yeah. Wow, definitely loved that film. Had heard of his work, and yeah, got this audition through. And um, I was actually playing a nun at this point um, in a different play, and I got the audition through. And I remember I wasn't in London as well, and um, reading um, some of it because I didn't get the full script. Um, and being like, this would be amazing if I, if I got this. And yeah. when I read the script, um, the audition scenes, she was written as, I think, a Korean woman in her 40s. This is what Weird. I love about Luca. I love about Luca is she was written as a Korean woman in her 40s. They still wanted to see me, so I was like, okay, cool. Um, and this is from, you know, developing, sending, because Carmen Cuba was casting. and Oh, Carmen's the best. Yeah, and I'd yeah. done a million takes for her in the past, which I thought were completely rubbish. I failed, blah, 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 but it's stuff like that that they remember you keep building, keep building. So you were fine. auditioning for American stuff as well then? Yeah, yeah. Ah, amazing. Uh, I was auditioning for American stuff right from when I signed with my first agent um, at drama school. Wow. Yeah. Um, so then I... I remember in the script it said something like kimchi and I just changed that to jollof rice or something like that. <laughs> with my, with my heritage and I just basically made it my own because there was, because it was written in that way. Yeah. There was, I had no other choice than to completely inhabit it and make it my own, which I think actually really helped. I um, totally see how it would help. Yeah. And then um, from that, I had like, an excruciating wait and they kept on going back and forth asking me for my availability and this and that and like to the point where I was like for the love of God I'm available for this job whenever it is shooting yeah. like, <laughs> like you don't need to ask and then um did you know Kid yeah, Cuddy eventually. was attached Sorry? did you know Kid I didn't Cuddy? know I, I didn't know anybody who was attached 
I just wow. knew it was Luca. Um, and yeah, that's all I knew. And a little bit of my character breakdown, but that was it. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, got the call to say that I got the part. And then um, spoke and had a conversation with Luca. And um, he was lovely. And I spoke to him about, I asked him some questions about the script. And um, I'm not sure, have you seen any of the, uh, yeah, have of you course. seen any? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, I, so, um, I'm, I, I, I respect every guest that comes on. I have to watch their filmography. <laughs> I saw the whole show. Yeah, so um, my character's, um, he based my character around me and my heritage. So, yeah, um, Nigerian. Yeah. Wow. And um, so I asked him about um, some questions about uh, Jenny's kind of, um, I guess, homophobia. Um, and I wanted to talk to him about, I spoke to him about um, homophobia in Nigeria in certain areas as well and spoke about how, because I'd actually been in a play which touched on this topic before where there are, there are some countries where not only is homo um, being homosexual illegal, but it's illegal to know somebody who's homosexual and not report them. Oh my God. So if you're found in contempt of, yeah, then um, I think in some parts of Nigeria in the North, it's 14 years in prison. That's so unacceptable. Yeah. That's, that's so crazy. like, you know, I've got aunties who can be gay and happy and free here and they have to really make a strong decision as to whether to tell their own siblings their truth yeah. and put that sibling's life at risk. Cause there's a wonderful play by Chris Urch called the Rolling Stone that I was in that basically touched on this. And it's about three siblings and one of them happens to be gay and he's not sure, you know, he's putting his sibling's life at risk yeah. if he tells them. Yeah. Um, and there's a, this, this is actually set in Uganda, but there's a newspaper. I think it's still going called the Rolling Stone. And they basically catfish people that they suspect to be gay and then out them in the newspaper with photos, names, address. And those people are usually found dead very shortly afterwards. Oh my God, Faith. This is. So when I, I read no this idea. Script, and when I was thinking about like, Jenny and how she feels about homosexuality. Did, did Luca you know, tell you the arc of the show at that point when you, when you booked it, did you know where you were going to go? No, but one of the scenes that I auditioned with, he, 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 um, in the, in the character breakdown, it said that, you know, I fall in love with, um, Maggie. Yeah. And, um, in, in one of the scenes, I think it said something about, you know, I think Jenny says, uh, I'm not that way. Yeah. I'm, I'm not homosexual. After they literally just banged. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was going to say, it's the underwear, the orange underwear. Like, and <laughs> I, no, not me. No, not me. Um, but yeah, uh, that to me, I read, because I was thinking from a Nigerian perspective, of course she's never, if you've come from that culture, yeah, you would never, ever, no, that is not me. Homosexual, 
it's on the same level as paedophilia for some people in their minds. That is so horrible, Faith. That breaks my heart. So, so yeah, so that's so I spoke to Luca about that, and he actually, oh no, it wasn't in the script. That was it. So I spoke to Luca about that, my heritage, and blah, blah blah. And I was giving, and he was like, "That's a really good idea. I'm going to write that into the script." So I think originally she was a bit hesitant, kind of like a repressed, repressed about yeah. it. But then, yeah, Luca just took that and wrote wrote things into the script. So there's a scene when I'm in. Um, uh, the PX Hall and I'm talking with Maggie and uh, yeah I talk about my auntie who um, fled from um, one of the northern um, towns in Nigeria and wow. that was from a conversation that we had so he was just wonderful in that way like you could add things to the script he would yeah. always ask always ask what you think about he, everything he was receptive like, he wasn't yeah. dogmatic wow and he can be, he was, it was, it felt truly collaborative. And um, I felt like I had so much more creative control than normally um, on a job or on a set, you know, even down to this cake that I had to carry around. Wow. <laughs> you know, Luca asked me what, and, it, and we had different images and we had a whole discussion about what cake or tiny things like. Um, Is that the, the American cake? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I want that one. <laughs> which she keeps referring to as a cake, but yeah. it's actually a pie. But yeah. but I I thought that little things like that were actually deliberate because um, even the way that Jenny speaks um, is very so. It's, a lot of the script was translated from Italian, and then we and then most of the cast worked on it um with a uh, dialect coach um on like making it more american for yeah. kids and things like that and more modern and things like that but for me actually it was quite useful having the translation because the the way that jenny speaks is so formal yeah. or the way that the translation was was so formal but it actually is very nigerian like yeah. it's very nigerian when you're speaking english to sound very formal so like i remember as a child being told you're obscuring my vision when i was standing too close to the tv <laughs> like wow like that's just the way that they just speak so um yeah so, so a lot of the language was like that for, for jenny did you even need accent coaching or did you know that accent so well yeah, I knew the accent, so that was fine. Um, it was so amazing. Like I, <laughs> I, I actually was just talking to my producer before he came on. I was like, I didn't know if, if you were going to be Nigerian or British. So I was like, well, she's got a British publicist, but that Nigerian <laughs> accent was pretty spot on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, how was working with Scott, your your husband? Oh, you know? He's amazing. Scott's lovely. Like straight away, completely disarming. And and like, and. Uh, He's never played a character like this. You know what I no, mean? No, so that was one of the first things he said. Like, this was so out of, it's so far away from him. Yeah. Like, as a person. Because one of the first things he said was like, I've not done anything like this before. And also, they they snuck in like a, um, a, a scene. And he was like, I've not done any kind of like scenes like that before <laughs> in the garage. I don't know if you've seen it in yeah. episode five. The, yeah, the, but that the, was 
the hitting the bag with one or um no it was um an intimacy scene i mean i wouldn't say intimacy because there's no intimacy in that yeah. marriage but, yeah yeah, yeah, they're they're um, very out of love. Like, it, yeah. he, there's that scene with your daughter in the show that where they talk about it. Like, we yeah. used to be perfect for each other, and it's just so so haunting, you know. Didn't, mm -hmm. didn't as a guy who's been in relationships, how that can happen, where you can be this wonderful thing, and then it can kind of start to drift apart. And yeah. but I mean, also just like talk to me about filming in Italy. Was it a dream? It was gorgeous. Um, it was kind of like, I, I say that it was almost like a mixture between Lost in Translation and Four Lions. <laughs> okay. Because, yeah, a lot, a, a lot was going on and we didn't speak the language. So there was kind of like the crew and uh, some of the crew and cast who we were all very, very close. And then we would turn up and then people would be speaking all these different things around you and you didn't know what was going on. And yeah. the schedule was always all over the place. But you were in the most beautiful place. And like, was that a real military base or, or was one so, a Yeah, so um, they ended up building uh, an identical um, base to one that we took inspiration from. Wow. So that was all happening like in real time. So like when we first, because we first arrived and Luca wanted us to, there was a lot of military training and um, and uh, Italian classes yeah. and all of this basically prep. So we were there for like prep for like a month. And I really lucked out because everybody was getting up at the crack of dawn doing military training and I just got to like wake up and go in the afternoon and learn how to like ice a cake. <laughs> That's so cool. What an awesome project. I was like, I'll learn how to cook because Jenny's always cooking. So I was like, cool. I was yeah. just going to my cooking classes. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of prep and, and also he just wanted us to bond and it, he, especially with the kids, like yeah. they just, you know, had all of this time to bond and really... Um, For, forgive me, what, what's the actress who played your daughter? What's her name? Jordan. Jordan she's so great as well. Yeah. She's, my, I, she's like my real-life daughter now. Oh. Like, I call her, I call her my daughter. We, it's confusing because we're also very similar. So we're like twins. So she's my daughter and my twin. That's so and cute. I'm also really close with... Uh, so um, Jordan's mum was there as her um, chaperone, uh, chaperone, yeah. and also she's her manager as well. So um, I was really close with them. I was close with both of my children's mums. That's so um, awesome. We were like, it was we were a little unit. Um, but yeah, so she, Jordan's mum, I call my sister wife. <laughs> <laughs> so i've got my daughter twin and my sister wife and they're just family now like i love them i saw them earlier this year thankfully before covid took off um wow. yeah i flew out to the states um and um yeah we spent some time in la which is yeah that's so I see her all the time. <laughs> yeah, we're, I love that. Super close. But yeah, we had all of these like game nights and we were all basically in this small, gorgeous town called Padua. Wow. And, um, and then we'd obviously go to set, but you know, in the, in our downtime, we, you know, took trips to Venice and 
just ate amazing food. So this project was a dream. It was an absolute dream. Amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so talk to me when you, when you went back to the UK, I, I don't know if you can disclose and it's okay if you can't, or is a season two happening? Don't know if there yeah. is, I would love to be involved. Yeah. I would, yeah. I'd love that. Um, I think it depends on how people receive it, I guess. I don't really know what people look into these yeah. days. Well, HBO max is a very new thing. So I don't even know how, you know, they decide <laughs> the streaming yeah. wars are just insane. The, it's it's good news for actors is that there's so many shows, but yeah. you know, viewers can have a hard time getting lost in the mix. I feel like yeah, but I know I know that Luca's definitely um, excited about the idea, and a lot of the cast um, we're all um, a lot of us are excited and would love to do another season. Yeah, that came well. Up. It's yeah. gonna it's gonna happen. So talk to me. <laughs> When, when you came back to the UK, what, you know, I, uh, like, what have you been auditioning for? Do you have any other projects in the can that I know you have one that you can't announce, but <laughs> in, any other ones that you can announce? Um, I came back and I did some filming for, uh, um, a short film called, um, I'm trying to remember what it was called now. I've looked. Bone. It's because it's changed its name a few times. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, Bone. But that's set in a um, detention center, uh, an immigration de- detention center. Um, and I'm in that, I play a woman who isn't particularly nice. So quite yeah. far removed from Jenny, which yeah. is nice. Um, yeah. Yeah. And uh, she's not particularly nice, but that's because she has her own reasons. Um, it, yeah, there's another thing as well that goes on with um, when people are seeking asylum. I'm not sure how it is in America, but here I know that um, a lot of women who are seeking asylum because of um, being persecuted for yeah. their sexuality, for example, um, they're asked to prove their sexuality. The audacity. Like, like, how do you do that? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, What do you want to be, like, a a voyeur, you creep? You know what I mean? And a lot of the um, detention centers are just really just hellholes. And, yeah, yeah, this is set in one. And um, for those reasons, my character is pretty horrible. Wow. because of the circumstances that she's in. But, yeah. That's, and, um, do you know when then, that's coming out? I'm not sure because of COVID. I don't yeah. know when uh, what's fair. happening with this. Um, so I did that. And then um, I went out to the States at the beginning of the year and then came back and then it was COVID. Wow. Yeah. But at least you were productive and, and got that degree. I'm so <laughs> yeah. proud of you. And then, um, and then now, yeah, I've just um, started um, working again. But yeah, I I know you're going to be long year. What one of the biggest superstars in the world, Faith? I'm I'm so excited <laughs> for you. I got a, I got a final few questions for you. Um, you know, having just completed this degree in this program, and you, and you you spoke specifically about how actors we don't have control. 
any advice or words of wisdom you would have for the actors struggling out there right now, especially, you know, with a pandemic and, and not being able to audition? Mm, um, I think the key to it is learning how to love your life, learning how to love your life and nourish that and nurture it so that acting is a thing that comes in, so working and jobs are a thing that come, they enter and go, they come and go, they come and go. But the core of your being is your life. Yeah. The things that you do, the things that define you and being, so there's this thing, it, this part of my course, there's this thing um, that I talk about in my workshop about being goals oriented and values oriented. And there's this analogy of these two um, kids in a car and they're on their way to a theme park and one of the kids is goals oriented. So um, they just want to reach their goal, which is to get to the theme park. Yeah. The other kid is values oriented. So um, on the journey, they start the journey and the goals oriented kid is like, oh, we need there yet. Oh, we need there yet. Just yeah. wants to be at the theme park. The values oriented kid who values family time, he yeah. values curiosity. He's seeing animals like that he'd never seen, farm animals outside yeah. the window that he'd never seen before. He valued like, so he's, you know, doing all of these things on um, the journey, playing games with his family, all of this kind of stuff. Anyway, they get to the theme park and the theme park is closed because of bad weather. So the goals oriented kid is completely devastated. His yeah. goal is values oriented kid is disappointed but it's you know not the end of the world yeah and it's, it's like, all I about think, your perspective yeah and yeah. i think it's about like having goals and the values are you can have the values oriented kids still have the same goal to get yeah. to the theme park but the journey was so much richer and so much more pleasurable for that kid yeah. so in the same way with acting like if acting becomes a goal rather than a value and if you focus and nurture your values yeah. then your life will be rich and fulfilled thank you for and, sharing and you that. can have your, and you can have you you can have your goals but your life is rich and fulfilled so it doesn't it doesn't matter if one of your goals if you don't reach one of your goals yeah because if you're always chasing a goal then you're only happy for like five seconds yeah because the goals are always to, moving it's the, yeah, then you have you, another you, goal you reach the goal and you get another goal and it's yeah. like that thing they say about actors where you are only happy in the first five minutes after you get a job yeah you you get a job offer and then it's like back to worrying or back to competing or whatever yeah. it is that you do so yeah it's about like acting hopefully um, ideally is the cherry on the top like a, a job is a cherry on the top and the cake is your life it's what you value yeah. what do you value curiosity what do you value like quality time with your loved ones or whatever it is and focus on those and you will feel abundant and you'll feel grateful and yeah all the rest of it is kind of like comes and goes Thank you so much for sharing that with me. I, I myself really needed to hear that today. My, ne <laughs> my, my next question for you is it's, it's no secret it's been a, a very dark and racist time, not only in America, but even in the UK, you got that piece of shit, Boris. And, you know, like, it's, it's, it's been bleak, to say the least. What's been keeping you inspired? 
Oh, inspired. Um, one of my friends said to me the other day, I think AOC did a, 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 a speech or something where she was saying about hope being a discipline. Yeah. And like, so I, I actually started reading, um, it's called Pleasure Activism, The Politics of Feeling Good. Ooh. And um, I basically like make it my daily mission to achieve joy yeah at some point in my day do something pleasurable um and that's my way of fighting this because against all odds i'm still laughing and thriving which is critical to which is to your health most, no because people are trying to eradicate my existence yeah yeah and haha sucks to be you because not only am I alive, but I'm you're, but thriving. You're thriving! That's what I was you know just I mean? going to say. So yeah. Whatever that is, if it's just dancing to music that I love, enjoy, like I do a lot of like aromatherapy and things wow. like that, like whatever it is, but just finding joy. Yeah. Um, it's a radical act. Yeah. And it sometimes it's really tough yeah. to find anything joyful. Um, but I do it and I make sure that I do it um, because I think that is basically the biggest fuck you to yeah. white supremacy yeah. and patriarchy Oh God! that yeah. I can do like me, this black woman smiling yeah. against all fucking odds. You're a warrior Faith, <laughs> and I, I know you're going to be one of the biggest stars in the world and I want to have you back <laughs> when we can talk about this other project. And I, uh, but I, I'm so proud of you. You know, I know we just met, but like you've given me so much hope. Um, final right. question for, for those listening, what's the best way for them to, you know, keep in track with what you're doing? Do you have an Instagram? Yeah, I've got Instagram. It's faith.alibi. I'm going right, to be linked right here. Yeah. Right there, guys. <laughs> my daughter Jordan um, is basically walking me through Instagram step by step <laughs> every day. I'm not even kidding. I did a, an unboxing the other day, which I'm so proud of. That's probably my biggest achievement yeah. this year. That's awesome. Yeah. Adap adapt or die. <laughs> well, Faith, I, I got so much love for you. You're gonna. You're so beautiful inside and out, oh, and you're gonna you. take over the world. And and you, you got to. <laughs> You got a big fan here and I'm so excited for all that's to come for you because I know it's going to be beautiful and it's going to be great <laughs> and just keep on smiling. Thanks. You too. Amazing. It was well, lovely speaking to you. I really yeah. enjoyed this. Yeah. Let's do it again soon. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. So sure. much love. Thanks, Ryan. All right. Thank you, Faith. Love you. Bye. Bye. If you like the show, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening.